I have a message, and people need to hear it. I love John. That uh, you're like me, like you know. I have I have shit to say. Like I have shit to say. There has to be a recording of the shit that I have to say. I gotta think of the podcast first. <laughs> oh man. Oh, I say fifty cents on a magic eraser. You also can't do that. <laughs> yeah, actually, you should. But I hell, I can. Okay. Either he's producing all the podcasts, or this is the last episode of oh, Chainsaw Buffet. And that's where we've had a good me. run. I do feel it's been yeah. a pretty good Oh, well, it's funny, because I kept talking to Chad about it, and he was like, you know, no one listens to this, let's just skip this. But, no. I, I got into um, flashing his coupons, dollar off zest. Yeah. Is that an offer, or are you just happy you found that? Apparently, <laughs> Jen's just happy she found it. Yeah, John's wife is... Re- is uh, clipping coupons while we're recording. So, uh. At least I'm not taking the ones for fixatives. I don't need that. Yeah. I'm not that old. Well, maybe that has purposes beyond dentures. You know, maybe you can hang pictures with it. I don't know. I mean, if, if you can buy an apple with the stuff, I'm sure that you can uh, find other uses. He's a recall for and, your windows. And if Chad is using our uh, lack of listeners as a... Uh, Benchmark for why we should stop doing the podcast. We should just shut or down anything. the website. Or yes, exactly. I mean, what's or the anything. point then? I, didn't well, re- I think I checked on our free feed burner, friend feed. feed. No, what the hell? Feed burner. Feed burner. We had like fifteen, didn't we? Yes. I don't know who these people are. They're probably yeah. coming for the uh, slants of the manpower. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. They actually, they actually have people that listen to them. Did, did we have our stats up? Prior to those podcasts, that we could even see if it trended up from that, or yeah, I don't remember. I can't remember when I put up the feed burner on that. I'll pretty much guarantee that's that's what it is. Yeah. So we got um, we we've got our drinks. We we are covered there. Um, you know, I should mention that I've been really trying to avoid caffeine after our little uh, mana escapade. Uh, well, there's three of us, so, you know, we don't really have to drink one of these apiece. The first one I've got here is uh, No Fear. That's, that's, the, that's the label, No Fear. I'm, I'm afraid of it. It's and it's, it's an energy supplement. I mean, it is in a can. It comes in like an amp or a full-throttle can, but it's labeled supplement. Uh, my thinking there is usually things are labeled supplement to avoid FDA regulations, uh, like your holistic cures and such. Well, they don't regulate energy drinks, so, I mean, what's the point? Unless they're just trying to make it sound like a, a vitamin or something, which, from the can, I don't think they are. Yeah, all my vitamins have skulls on them with wings. So, um, I don't see any particular flavor written. Super energy. It's super energy. Taurine? Is that a flavor? I don't no, know. That, no, that's an looks, additive. I don't, I don't drink. This looks deceptively like uh, beer. Not so much beer as... Um, Piss. 
No, no, no. Nice like amber a, ale. Uh, yeah, maybe an ale or a bourbon or something like that. Hmm. So I don't drink so. It's it's. Um, I don't either, but got your citrusy, generic energy drink. Yeah, it's not great. I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend it. No, I think at this point, I may have become numb to. It has grape juice concentrate in it, so. Um, I'm not. I'm tasting more of like a pomegranate or some sort of bullcrap flavor like that. And I specifically avoided the pomegranate. There was a can I grabbed and it said pomegranate and I put it back. So it's like, I'm not doing the pomegranate. There's grapefruit in there. Yeah, I can see that. So yeah, there is some bullshit flavors in there. Ones that people don't actually want to drink like pomegranate and grapefruit. I would try pomegranate. So there is nothing to fear in no fear. Except the taste. (laughs) Now, the next one, we've already um, had some uh, Stevie Siegel man juice. And Piss bug. I think it's time to up the level of man here. Amp. So, I've got Amp here, number 88, Dale Jr.'s limited edition series. Woo! Dale Jr., y'all! This is three of four. I didn't realize that this was part of a ser- series. Now... It says on there, Do you get on the can, if you it get says JR Nation, Junior Nation, right? But the J, and this is what I thought when I picked it up, looks like a U. It looks like <laughs> urination on <laughs> this can. So, uh, Dale, you may want to get um, some better marketing. And the three of four means the can designs. Oh, can designs? Mm-hmm. I thought there was like some sort of gay, fruity Jeff it Gordon. It does have the color of um, man juice. It's got a nice piss hue to it. <laughs> kind of like the smell is, is very citrusy. Like I, I like the smell. It looks like flat Mountain Dew. Probably is flat Mountain Mountain yeah. Dew has been peed in. Well, that is strong on the citrus flavor. And that's, that's kind of what it tastes like. Wow. That is. That is a Mountain Dew with like a little um, Capri Sun squirted in it or something, you know? I could see that. Yeah. We'll have to try that later. <laughs> Give me some Mountain Dew and some Capri Which, which uh, Dale is proud of his product, and it was $2 a can. You um, better be proud of it. Which is what, like an 8-ounce can? I mean, that's not even a 12-ounce. Is it a 12-ounce? Okay, so he's actually got a 12-ounce can there. But for 2 bucks, I think you could get a bunch of Mountain Dew and a bunch of Capri Sun and mix that together. Oh, yeah. Some uh, Mountain Dew and some Red Bull. Arigen energy drink. Now, I wonder what Dale Sr. would have tasted like. Can we still get that? Can they still use his... Uh, I'm pretty sure they can. I mean, Dig him up a little bit, squeeze a bit off, tap that vine. <laughs> They've been doing it ever since he died. I don't, they he, can't do it he now. He could be the new Elvis. Well, I want um, some Intimidator. That's what I want. I want a little Intimidator in me. <laughs> wow, that's, that's so. That's what she said. So horrible. Wow. Okay. Now the last one that I have. Hold on, I got to finish my deal here. Mm. The last one I have is a crossover. So Rockstar makes these fruity energy drinks that we drink, and we've tried some of the uh, 
Starbucks and have you tried any other brands of the coffee drinks or just Starbucks? Um, I've tried the Starbucks. I think I tried the uh, Rockstar Vanilla, which I really liked. Before, like I said, bef- after the uh, Mana podcast, though, I was sort of torn between. Hmm, I kind of like these coffee drinks, and uh, I kind of like not being uh, nervous and uptight, you know, all the time. So Rockstar's making some coffee drinks, and this is just a pretty much straight up mocha coffee and cream. I went for the the regular, but this has in it. Caffeine, guarana, ginseng, added B vitamins, drink. There's ginseng in coffee, so that's what got me on this one. And I need to double check before I open this that it's not a shake first. It doesn't appear to be. This is a this is mocha. This is like the real heavy coffee flavor as opposed to uh, vanilla. See how well can uh, Rockstar? That doesn't make coffee in any way, shape, or form. Makes a coffee energy drink. Grand Theft Mocha, or is that the wrong rock star? That is the wrong <laughs> rock star. You know what, though? Given the economy, they might want to do some co-branding there. Yeah. Straight up coffee smell. Does Jack Thompson uh, oppose this energy drink? On principle, yes, but it doesn't matter. He's but it does not right. matter anymore what Jack Thompson opposes. Wow, that's strong. Good. No, that's really terrible. I generally like like the, the I like it. stuff. I like I, I think that goes back to our original opinions on coffee. You like yours very strong. I like mine to where uh, there's very little coffee in it. I like the vanilla stuff a lot more, but I, I yeah, there's nothing in this to hide the coffee flavor. Like no, there's straight up there's no hiding bean. from it. They no. they should call this P Lander Z coffee because you can't hide from it. It'll drop down from the ceiling onto your back. This has uh, a little bit of the sweat of the donkey that carried the beans in it. <laughs> a little bit. That's the energy drink portion. Looks like you hoot. Tastes like crap. <clears throat> so if you want to I'm polishing off the rest of that. Go ahead and pour this in somebody's uh, bottle of you hoot and just piss them off. Oh. This will do it. Oh, so John, you had you had a topic for us. Oh yeah, right right off the bat. I'm going to be stepping on Chad's toes, because... He's Chad, not here. He's not here. Chad... So it's not stepping on his toes. He doesn't... Speaking for him. He doesn't feel like it. Well, I, I don't know, because Chad's forgotten more about Transformers than I've ever known. And, but admittedly, I watched Transformers as a kid. Liked the original toy line. Got away from, from watching the shows or uh, collecting any of the toys after the original series and I'm not saying that any of them were bad Some, I know a lot of people that liked Beast Wars I know a lot of people that collected the toys afterwards but I wasn't one of them main reason being uh, is I just didn't care for the designs or the plot and I had, I had other things at the time you know, more of a video game anime person, Transformers is a thing from my childhood but it wasn't really high up on the priority list for me but I recently started collecting uh, Transformers again because they've come out with the animated line, which calling something Transformers animated is kind of like you know Super Mario Brothers the video game. It's yeah, that's completely kind of, redundant. My understanding of the history of Transformers is that Japan had the toys, and when we brought them into the U.S., the marketers go, "We need a way to sell these," and it was the dawn of, "Hey, let's create story." In fact, they didn't even have the two sides in Japan, the Autobots and Decepticons. 
that was them making the sides, and they took all of the military vehicles and the weapons and made them Decepticons, and everybody else became Autobots, and the, the cartoon was an entirely an American invention. Yeah. So saying there's an animated version of something that, that's where it started, is kind of pointless. Right. But I've recently started collecting these because they are mostly just stylized versions of the original uh, Transformers. Some of them transformed differently. Uh, I, th- I think it was Michael Bay who said why uh, Megatron didn't transform into a gun anymore was because it didn't make sense for a uh, you know hundred foot robot to turn into a gun that fits in the palm of your hand. It just doesn't make good sense for anybody. Well, and Michael Bay didn't start that he turned into a. Train. No, no, it, that that started well beforehand. Yeah. But the main reason I collected these is because uh, by and large they're at least reminiscent of. Uh, the original toys. Optimus Prime is not a fire truck in my mind, nor is he a fucking gorilla. He is a red semi truck and nothing else. You hear me? <laughs> nothing I else. I wasn't even aware that he was a fire truck. He was a fire truck. He was a damn gorilla. He was everything else for a while, except for a damn red <laughs> fire truck. And now they got it right. So I've I started collecting these again. I also have uh, with me Warhawk, which this is a uh, a bargain for some of our more value-minded listeners because I bought this at Target for $30, and the version I hold in my hand is not the greatest hits version that recently came out for $30, which is just the game. This is the original version that came out uh, that includes the wireless Bluetooth headset. Which will work not just with your PlayStation 3, but with your computer, your cell phone, anything else that's Bluetooth uh, ready and, and capable. But I got this for $30. You cannot buy a USB wireless headset for $30. No, the or, or, or a Bluetooth uh, So wire, is, is Warhawk a uh, PS3 exclusive? Yes. Okay. Uh, but even if you don't own a PS3 and you just want a really cheap uh, Bluetooth headset... You know, you can buy the game for $30 and sell the game back and uh, still come out way ahead than if you were just buying well, the game. With the economy in the shitter, you can buy it, keep the headset for yourself, and gift the game to some kid. For Christmas. Who has no shot in hell of getting a new game for Christmas now um, with the economy in the crapper. Yeah. So that's yep. the thing. I actually picked up, because um, we're, we're in this weird lull. I mean, I Rock, yes, Rock Band came out. Uh, Rock Band 2 came out. But really, in terms of... Full bore games. We haven't quite. We got like another week or two to go, and then it gets crazy with the releases. Yeah, we're still yep. in this lull. So I'm still in this like I got to find something to play. Go through some DLC. Go through some both. I picked up um, Burnout Paradise. I don't know. Do you have that? Do you, do you... I, I do not have Paradise. I haven't bought a Burnout game since three because I knew EA was going to crank a new one out every year, and I was a little hesitant to so go and pick three, another one. Over three, Burnout Paradise is an open world. It's not set tracks. You just drive around, you come up to a stoplight, spin your tires, and you start whatever race begins at that stoplight. And you're not even limited to going into any set route. Like if it's a race across town, you can go any way you want. In fact, in some of them, you really kind of do need to know some shortcuts. Although it will give you a turn signal and here's your turn, you know, to take here to stick on the route. What I, the reason I bought the game is they released as DLC uh, well, first they released uh, like a car pack and, a, and some new routes or something like that. 
Now they just released this DLC, Motorcycles. So you get the game free. It's a free DLCs. Um, and this game is not that new. What, what did this come out? It like came out earlier year? this year, I think. Early like, this year? Like February or something like right, that. Right, so they're still kicking out brand new DLC. They put motorcycles in the game. Um, I do not care for drive racing games. Racing games never been my thing. Like, I, you know, I'll play them. Burnout is a really different racing game. Burnout is completely a different style racing game. And now when you take it to open world driving, like you can just drive around with no point. Like in Grand Theft Auto, in GTA, you can just go around with no point for a while until you decide, okay, I'm going to get back on to, you know, running some missions or doing some things. Do you you still have the car bomb? You You mean the crash breaker. No, it's it's a suicide bomb. It is. Let's let's not uh, lie. EA, why do you love the terrorists? You don't really have a bomb, right? Well, what you can do is, at any moment you hit, uh, I think it's both the buttons, uh, both the bumper buttons at the same time or something like that, and cause your car to roll, and then start going into a crash to how long can you take this crash uh, mode. Mm-hmm. So you don't have, like, from what I understand, and I never played Burnout 3, but like once, and somebody else was playing the house. So I never yeah. played with the crash bomb. Um, so you don't really have like an explosion, but you still do have the spectacular, awesome Rex. Uh, you still have a game which no automaker wants their car oh, in because yep. these crashes are spectacular, amazing, awesome. And again, I picked it up for like a song, for like twenty five dollars new, I think, from uh, uh, Toys R Us. That's good. <clears throat> I'm really curious about that one just because, like, 3 had a really good interface. It had really good mini games. I wasn't really... I wasn't as impressed with Revenge. Just... It didn't It didn't have the same sense of, you know, location in the world. Online kicks ass in Paradise. So all you do in online, you're driving around your town, just whatever the hell you feel like you're doing, push up on the D-pad and the menu pops up, and then you go like, I want to go online, I don't care where, right now, the screen flashes for a second, and boom, you're at where you were in the city, but you're online, there's up to 8 or 12 other drivers running around, and these drivers can do the same thing. They can pull up to a stoplight, and somebody can start a race, or start a um, marked man event, where basically when you're the marked man, everybody tries to crash you. Um, If you can survive for a minute and a half without being crashed, then you win, and Mark Man goes around where it randomly selects. Uh, what I love about Mark Man, when you are the Mark Man, you lose the radar, right? You can't see wow, so any just... other car, and like so many times, the Mark Man will just crash himself out of paranoia because you just start darting down random cuts and corners and shit, thinking people are constantly behind you, ready to whip around behind you and wreck you. That you take insane turns and shit to shake them. Well, they're nowhere near you. They're on the other side of the map. When when you're not the Markman, in, in every other event, you see all the other cars on the radar. You see their gamer tag above them. Um, it's real easy to not even have an event and get into revenge hitting each other. Because the game does such a great... Uh, like you can hit each you other. You just got taken down by player X95, you know? And you're and just you're like, driving you around. Fucker, you son of a bitch. You know? <laughs> you go, you spin right back around and you wrap them off, and then it goes, you know, like, you just got revenge on player X89. And then, of course, X89 sees on his screen 
you know, Slay is so and so settled the score, you know, and you know, all this shit. The like, fuck he did? I, oh, and I have gotten so many, actually, people, like all my friends list, where we have gotten into like 20 and 25 deep reverse back and forth action of hits. Um, one guy was tooling around in a van. Like one of the vehicles he unlocked is a van, and the whole point of the van is to take down other vehicles. This thing has a strength rating from hell. Um, and it can just basically, it can survive head-on collision in the right cases, okay? Oh, yeah. I'm driving this little thing that's supposed to be like a Mazda Miata. And I am tearing up what they call um, road rules. So these aren't specific events. I don't pull up to a light and, and start the event. What it is is I just get on the street and a timer starts going. And if I get to the end of the street and I set the time for that street, then I set a road rule. And that's how you get ranked in terms of points online. How many road rule wins do you have? How many event wins do you have? Those add together, and then you can just see in the city who's rule in the city. And I'm shooting down this little Mazda, and I'm just gunning down these road rules racing. There's ones for, like, biggest crash, biggest jump, you know, those kinds of things. Uh, and this van guy comes on, and he just creams me, you know, just picks me off. I'm like, you motherfucker. <laughs> and, you know, so... What am I going to do in a little Mazda Miata, right? I'm not going to pull it to a garage and change cars for revenge because then he might not realize it's me, even though the name's the same. You know, he might not realize it's a little Mazda. I turn out, get a good distance from him, spin out, come back, hit full boost. You still have boost, you know, and all that. Boost Coming full speed and side slam into him. So, you know, cut the brakes so that I side slam, you know, car door to car door into his van. And now my Mazda blows up every time. But so does his van. Like, I can hit him with enough force to take out the van. And it counts as revenge, even, even though, though I blew up two. It's yep. still getting revenge for the hit. And that pisses him off because the Mazda should not be able to take down his van. But I can continually do it and do it every time. And, I mean, we went for an insane amount of time on each other. This little van, this van, this little Mazda back and forth. So there's another one to pick up if you're, like, in between. Plus, like I said, you can download uh, motorcycles. Uh, that they added in there, they added uh, new races. I'm not all sure what they've added, what's new and what's not. Uh, they have a um, pretty decent, like, car stereo DJ. Um, yeah, that was one of the great things about three is they had Striker. The guy, he was annoying, but at least he had like he gave you personality. So to he's the game. not called Striker. Uh, he's DJ Atomica. Actually, I think they use real DJs because I heard really? uh, DJ really? Striker on uh, hard drive. All right. Okay. So yeah. Uh, um, and they may well be because he's pretty decent. He doesn't get. I've played a lot of Burnout lately, and he doesn't get old. Even when he's kind of saying some of the same things again, you know, he he doesn't. It's not as bad as like, oh, I gotta hear this again. I love the fact that they have a decent soundtrack. Of course, they have Paradise City. Every time you start the game, it starts playing Paradise City, Guns N' Roses. They have a decent soundtrack in there, and you can go in there and say which songs you want to play, which ones you don't want to play, and you can just hit a button real quick and like, oh, skip that song, skip that, you know, or whatever, and jump around. They have a lot of classical tracks, which, you know, it's real fun to have these epic crashes to Moonlight Sonata or something playing in there. You know, it's kind of a change of pace uh, after a while, but I love that if... You know, you've got your Xbox set up to hit the network and stream music from another box on the network. That as soon as you do that, just go out to the menu, start streaming music, it kills the end music game, the music end game, and starts playing your tracks uh, seamlessly. You don't have to go to any, like a lot of other games, they have to go into their menus, shut off their music to play my music. And they just seamlessly jump back and forth. And that's one of the neat things that, uh, that the original Burnout 3 did. They actually had that built in on. 
in the game on the original Xbox before you know it was the oh on the original they the, Xbox they had that the custom something. soundtrack. I don't think games did that, but yeah. not nearly. I don't think I ever had a game on the original Xbox that could use a custom soundtrack. And no. I remember being yeah. sold that because I put it in a CD like the day I got my Xbox. I put it in a CD and ripped it to the hard drive so that I could play music other than the game music, and nothing ever picked that up. My favorite yeah. before uh, EA. Got exclusive NFL rights was on uh, NFL 2K5 or whatever the last one they did was. Uh, you could put your custom music on there, and you could take the music from off of your hard drive and put clips of it and have it applied in certain in-game situations. So, like, if you scored a touchdown, it would play any number of songs that you wanted. Um, if you had a sack, it would play certain songs. So... Uh, would it play I would always, clips, or would it play like the whole song? You you could well, it would play up to a certain number of of moments until you know the next play started. But you could also pick like if you wanted it to start at a particular point in the song, you could have it go from that particular point in the song. So you know, if you had a song that said. Uh, I just owned your face, motherfucker. You could start it right from that point. And you have so many songs that say that. I do, actually. <clears throat> uh, I, I think I used, like, uh, the the military nerve thing from Evangelion, where I'd, I'd uh, sack yeah, somebody because I remember had that the, one. the drums. And, you know, it, it sounded like NFL films, basically. And I think I had some guar for whenever I scored a touchdown or got a turnover or something like and that. And these could be random, right? Like, you could oh, have, yeah. like, five touchdown yeah. songs and we would pick one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that, that that's cool. definitely cool. When they work, and they can work in, you know, some music and some things like that. Um, uh, speaking of music, um, I'm still liking the Zoom, liking the Zoom pass. Uh, I thought it was cool. Last time I was over here in the last podcast, um, Chad, I think, mentioned um, yeah. Notorious MSG. Yeah. No, that was and, Charlie. Like, that was yeah. Charlie that mentioned that? Yeah. Uh, mentioned Notorious MSG, and like here over the house Wi-Fi, I just opened up the Zoom, searched on that, they had it, downloaded it, and uh, by the way, I'll give thumbs up to Notorious MSG, that's that's kind of fun, something fun to play to, um, I think they only have like six or seven songs on their quote-unquote album, I don't know that that makes an album if you only have six songs. Yeah, <clears throat> it's a, I think it's a smaller band, I remember, I don't know, it seems like the man mentioned that to us, and... I, I have backed out of uh, grabbing other people's playlists and the channels and syncing them to my actual Zoom because when they when they sync a playlist to the Zoom, like some guy went out there and they made like a Rock Band 2 playlist of all the Rock Band 2 songs you downloaded, uh, which is really cool. So you just be in there like, hey, I want to play the songs that are on Rock Band 2. But they also show up in your albums, in your artist thing. So by the time you grab three or four playlists, you can't find your albums anymore and now you have a ton of albums that have one song because they only grabbed that one song off that one album because it fit the Rock Band 2 playlist. And now, but that's cluttering up your rest of your catalog. Some people, you know, I've talked to with their iPods and such, they're totally that way. They sync a handful of songs, songs they like by their artists. I'm not. I am totally an album guy. Like, if you can't yeah, make an album worth listening to, you only have a couple songs worth listening to, um, I'll wait for either your greatest hits album or I just don't play it. You know? Yeah, I know Chad was mentioning that because uh, we had I'd found this link somewhere. There's a uh, band called Alestorm, which is pirate metal. That is the the name of the uh, the genre of the 
the Pirate music. Metal. Pirate Metal. Ale Storm. Ale Storm. And Chad, Chad would be the type of person that likes this. So he downs, downloads one song off of Amazon MP3, which, by the way, is awesome. I don't think I've gone off on that on the podcast, but it is really awesome to, you know, I've, I've bought so many albums just like, huh, look, let's see what else they did. Oh, oh this. Amazon MP3. Yes. Yes, yes. No that DRM. is my choice place to get any kind of music uh, now. But uh, he bought the one song off of that because he was like, it all sounds the same. You know, it loses its uh, novelty. Yar! No, it's track uh, two. Yar! No, it's track three. Rum! Yar! Are you downloading that now? I'm gonna. um, I'm gonna put the zoom to the test here. Uh, It's picking up Mason's wireless. And what are they called? Alestorm. Alestorm. A L E. Yes. A L E. So we'll we'll punch in there. Um, You guys carry on. Going back to Warhawk just for a minute, I haven't played it in depth because I just bought it yesterday. Uh, but I did go through the training mode earlier today. Wasn't horribly impressed with the game at first because when you're on foot or or uh, in a tank or in a jeep or anything like that, pretty much like any other shooter, first person, third person that you've ever played ever. But the part where the game actually really impressed me was when you get into the titular Warhawk, the the aircraft vehicle. Uh, I've played a lot of arcade-style flight games, like uh, Star Fox is, was a big one for me growing up. Right. But I've never seen a arcade-style flight game that really allowed you to have that much maneuverability and control over an aircraft and still be relatively simple to control because you, you know, go up, down, left, and right with the left analog stick, and with the right stick you do maneuvers. So you can barrel roll with the uh, right analog stick, and you can nosedive or do basically loops with the uh, with the right stick. It's, been a long it's all time. really easy to perform, so... It's been a long time since I've played an arcade-style flight game. Probably the only ones I've played were... I played a little bit of uh, Crimson Skies and uh, Rogue Squadron. Yeah. So, probably wouldn't have been worth the full $60 for me, but $30 <laughs> and the uh, Bluetooth headset. You're just going to keep going on about the Bluetooth headset, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, I am. It's, it works on my phone, it works on my computer, it works on my PS3. I... Can't complain about that. My my Xbox headset works on my Xbox, and that's it. That is true. So it actually pulled back uh, two albums. So I have a choice here. Do I want Heavy Metal Pirates? Oh, no, Heavy Metal Pirates is a single. And then uh, Captain Morgan's Revenge, I guess, is the album. Yeah, and uh, I think Chad downloaded the title track from that album. Over the Seas? <laughs> or Captain... Oh, well... Captain Morgan's. Captain Morgan's. Um, so, wow, this thing has, like, how, holy crap, I'm still, I'm, I'm still scrolling, and I'm down 51 tracks, 50, 78 tracks, uh, I don't know sure? what, well, the, the last know. of them are grayed out, so maybe it's, like, one of those, it, it goes 10 tracks, and then it starts a bunch of tracks that are named the same thing. Hmm. Nancy the Tavern Wench, followed by Death Before the Mast, 
and that goes on for like 20 tracks. <laughs> uh, I don't know what the hell that is, but it's grayed out. Like, I don't think that's something I can just grab. So let's say add to cart here um, and see if... I don't want to buy all... Okay, yeah, download all. That's the scary thing. On the on the Zoom marketplace, like it says, is it there for a minute? At like buy all, and buy all would be you have a permanent copy. You can buy a permanent as permanent as you copy. can with I the believe, DRM. Um, no, no, I believe it's DRM free. I believe really? Microsoft has dropped all their DRM. Um, in fact, Walmart uh, was the last one to drop all their DRM, and yeah. they even said here recently, like all the rest, we're shutting down our DRM servers. Um, sucks to all you burn a disc now of all the shit that you bought, and yeah. they have had to renege on that, just like Yahoo, just like, um, I think Microsoft, too, both said, hey, we're going to shut off our DRM servers, and the EFS stepped up and goes, you don't want us to sue the shit out of you. Um, you either need to give money back to people, give them non-DRM versions, or, you know, we're going to sue the shit out of you. Yeah. Um, you know, because you can't. Well, that's like like uh, Weird Al has said that he's going to release songs as he produces them, and the first one came out on the seventh, and it's going to be on iTunes for two weeks before, exclusively before it goes out to other services. I'm hoping Amazon MP3, but uh, I have an iPod, I have iTunes, but there is no way I'm buying that off of iTunes. Any song that I ever bought on iTunes, which which is only a handful, immediately went to JHim. Which is a great little iTunes DRM stripper, uh, because what it does is it logs in as your iTunes accounts, downloads the key, decrypts, and just removes the key off of it and leaves you an MP3. Wow! Uh, so you don't even have to play the game of like throw it to a CD, rip the CD, or any mess. I don't even want to go through that, and uh, I don't really even want to support them because I screw the fruit. Do we company. have an ice cream truck rolling by? No, no, that is the uh, that's the Christmas log that plays Christmas songs 365 <laughs> days a year. This year, 366. I am so Christmas tired clock. of that clock. I love the Christmas clock. <laughs> I hate that damn clock. Oh, we're not going to discuss why we have this or. Uh... So once again, I am awesomely impressed by not not necessarily the fact that you know even that the Zoom service had Ailstorm. Okay. Yeah. That it's downloadable for, well, it's not for free, but on the Zoom, the 15 bucks a month, right. it's considered that I can download it. Like, the only ones I'm finding I can't download are Astral Bands like Metallica, you know, yeah. that, like, you have to buy our stuff. And you know what? I don't even care to listen to Metallica. Like, Metallica stopped and started with that Black Album, you know? Inner Sandman, that album, that's it. No other album is really... Yeah, I never really listened to Metallica. But I have to admit, that's that's one of the things I like about... Um, Amazon MP3 is you know all these things are related. You can you know you search on a band name, you're gonna get all their albums plus you know every compilation or soundtrack that they release something on, and uh, it's kind of neat because you can kind of. I don't think you don't have to have a Zoom to use the Zoom software, the Zoom client. Yeah, and it's worth playing with um, just to experiment with what they call MixView. So uh, it's like a social networking connections thing, and you go in there and you're playing you know Elsa. For example, right? Sure. Um, and you click Mix View on Ailstorm, and the, the Ailstorm becomes the center, and around the picture, are, some other pictures pop up. And one of those might be Dylan Wolf as Ailstorm's, you know, 
Because the guy listens to the most Ailstorm of everybody that has... Yeah, I would probably listen to tracks, You know, tracks. No, uh, how many times so you play it. So you're the biggest yeah. fan. Uh, it'll have bands that influenced Ailstorm and bands that claim to have been influenced by Ailstorm. It's a scary thing. But then you might have, like, related albums, too. Or albums that, like, hey, a lot of people that play Ailstorm play Notorious MSG. Right. If you click on Notorious MSG, it becomes a center, and it redoes all the connections again. This is a neural network, if you're, if you're geeky enough to know what that means. But, um, but yeah, you basically can walk the nodes of a neural network here of these music connections, loosely defined as, like, hey, these people influence them, or they influence them, or this, this is a popular album in the same genre, or people who like this also like that, or this is a dude that loves them the most. And you can, like, click on this dude. Sometimes it's funny, because sometimes I'm on a really obscure artist, you know, mm-hmm. way down in the indie thing. And I'm like, I don't quite dig these guys enough to download them uh, and suit them, but I'm looking for some music. But this guy is the number one fan of these indie guys, right? So I'm, I'm thinking this dude is going to have an awesome independent music collection rock, you know? And I click on him, and, like, his big number ones are, like, Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera are his most played oh. song list, you know? Um, it's off off track to ACDC, you know, maybe it's like the Ball Breaker album. And then, like, there's this one independent album. And it's like, dude, if you love this independent album, why aren't you playing, like, other independent, you know, artists or finding some others? But uh, sometimes it really works. Sometimes you find a guy, and it's like, he's into all kinds of weird, crazy music. Um, you can see friends in there. So, like, in the, I see you, actually, because somehow Zune is tapped in with Xbox Live. Um, that's I actually did install the Zoom software so I could submit the podcast to Zoom. Okay, so that's why I And I probably have, like, a couple of items in there, but I'm not sure what they are. They're probably stuff I downloaded through Amazon MP3 because that will automatically add stuff to your Windows Media and iTunes. One of um, our, our little um, faux podcast wannabes, known as Eric the Undying. To Undying? Yeah. Uh, which looks like like some kind of hairball. Like I know it's supposed to say Eric the Undying, but when you look at it, it's like Eric Hudaing, you know, or some crap. Are we like, like that. taunting, you know, taunting people? Um, well, I mean, I, I feel bad. Feuds. Feuds. I feel bad, like keep taunting these guys because they can't obviously push record and start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've been Aww. at this for like a month now. Of a feud, and they don't even have a podcast up. So I actually feel bad because they were talking on Twitter about how they could, uh, how they were going to schedule one, and like one of, the, one of the people had a family emergency or something. They, so they they've got it scheduled; they just haven't recorded well, it yet. Apparently, I'm the conscience of the group, so I'll let you guys just <laughs> talk about how lame well, these. Uh, yeah, they are. But anyway, so I can see because um, <laughs> oh, no. you know we go ahead and you keep your friends closer, your enemies closer. So I have Zoom friended him. And I could see his little sad emo playlist of all the little touchy-feely songs, uh, you know. Uh, Eric, I, I will give you props to some Cindy Lauper, because I do have a place for Cindy Lauper. But, you know, some of the other stuff, you probably cry yourself to sleep at night uh, quite a bit. Is there a lot of what's wrong? There's a lot of the prog rock. Is that what you would call it? What do you? I don't know. I'm. I'm. It's the not poorest. rock. You know. It's like if you put a word in front of rock, that almost makes it like it. Not just, rock, it's telling you like rock. that's not rock. You know. I'm notoriously bad about naming musical genres. I have tried, and it, it, it just never works. If he listens to this at all, he will go livid because that's oh. not his playlist at all. Uh, but if he's not, you know, then everybody out there is listening, this guy, Eric the Undying, which I think is his Twitter handle, too. Yes. Eric the Undying. Twitter.com slash Eric the Undying. 
Um, and you can go make fun of him for this just sad, sad little emo, teeny bopper. Um, you know, not even good Britney Spears. Like he's like downloading the new Britney. Like, like I don't have any Britney. I was, I was gonna say like. Um, <laughs> Just, just from this rant, I know never to put my playlist online because I would get made fun of the same way. But at least I don't have any Britney Spears, so uh, I win. Something. <laughs> I am not as bad as. I mean, and, and, is there you any know, disclosure here? Because I would just come out and say it. Because uh, I have twittered it, you know. Like Dido is in heavy rotation on my playlist. Oh, I have man. a thing for emo chicks. I I just you know uh, an emo chick and Andy DeFranco, a Dido, a Natalie Merchant. You know, I mean that is just music to code by. So if you've been on my site or any site that I have ever coded, just know that at some point I was playing Cindy Lauper while writing that page. I haven't even listened to enough Cindy Lauper to know what that means. You don't know who Cindy Lauper is? Well, I know who she is, but I couldn't, like, name a song that she did. Oh, my Girls just want to have fun time after time. Okay, yeah. Those okay, are the now only I know two. What, Okay, I know those songs. True so. Colors? I can keep okay, going. fine. Uh, <laughs> uh, give just, us a topic, Dylan. Just what did you want to talk about? I don't have a topic. I was, uh... My brain sizzled for a minute when he said he didn't know who Cindy Lauper was. I mean... It did. It I know sizzled. the songs, but I don't there. offhand... You know, can't, like, oh, I know her complete playlist. And Heart. Heart I know because of rock band, I think. Well, I know other... Yeah, you use Heart alone. Don't there's good Heart, and then there's bad Heart. And it usually can be divided between 1980 and beyond, and 1980 and before. Barracuda <laughs> is her right. shit. I mean, that is some hard <laughs> Magic Man, that is some rock and Okay, yeah, now that I know... Um, told you Barracuda was good. Post nineteen eighty, like Hart and Wilson Phillips are interchangeable. Oh god. You know. Okay. Yeah. They'll let him know with all right. No, I on. do. I I I remember uh, I used to watch a lot of Just just think of that old that, that like VH one ran that damn video to death of them like uh, on the beach singing. Yes. Uh, okay, I know. And the fat one didn't even need to be on the beach. That oh was, that's that was horrible. Paul Greenpeace, we've got one out of the water. So anyway, gentlemen. You know what else I did? Last two weeks, because it's been about two weeks since we had a podcast. Yeah, we recorded I one, guess so, yes. Yes, it has. Uh, I started investing in the stock market. That sucks to be you. Actually, um, I'm doing quite okay. Uh, I'm not going to name any particular stocks on the podcast. Okay, that's probably a good idea, because uh, we are not uh, here for speculating. <laughs> well, and, and the reason being is that uh, I don't know when the rules kick in, but if you are someone who makes stock recommendations, right? And you make a recommendation and it's out there. You cannot change your position on that stock with like 30 days. So really? anytime you see like somebody say like, I recommend buying Walmart, you know, that's what they say. Like Walmart. And then Walmart's yeah. a highly, highly recommended stock right now. Um, well, think about it. The no. economy goes to shit. Are you going to go back to, um, what's that fancy food, uh, the uh, fresh, fresh market? Fresh market, yes. Are you going to go to fresh market and buy some nice $13 a pound steaks, or are you looking at the Walmart bargain bin going, you know what, some chop steak looks good tonight, you know? Um, dude, I think I'm going to go hunt rabbits instead. I know what goes on in the back rooms, dude. I've worked yeah. there. Um, regular goods versus luxury goods, I mean... But and, and Walmart's also a good stock too because Walmart is not just in the U.S. anymore, so they're not just tied to the U.S. economy, and and they're recommended that way. But um, 
So I got in uh, early. I will talk about uh, uh, Apple a little bit because what, what got me into it, what got me into it was Apple came down to um, at the start of our collapse. Okay, at the start of the actual Dow collapse, which is exactly yep. when I got in. Uh, Apple slid that Friday because um, I think we talked a little bit about it after the Gallon Challenge podcast. Yeah. Apple had slipped to like 140 or something like that, or 110. From 140, they went down to 110. And Apple had been like at 200 at the launch of the iPod Touch and the iPhone yeah. Touch. And it's kind of like, wow. You know, I mean, a stock, as, as much as I've said and, and bitch about Apple products and I hate Apple, and, and I still do, understand I'm a capitalist first, right? Praise capitalism. I'm a capitalist first, father second, lover third, and then fanboy. That's when fanboy kicks in. <laughs> so it's way down on the list in terms of investment. And it's, so like, up. and it's like, hey, I'm telling you right up front, capitalism, that's where I'm at. Um, and so, and this is, this is taking years. This is taking years to come to this point. Like in 25, he talked to me, like, no, I still wouldn't have, like, oh, screw them, I don't want to invest in them. Now, totally, I don't care. Um, you know, it's looking at it and going like, wow, they slid 30 points in a day. Apple took it on the chin a little bit from the overreaction of the market, you know, yeah. some bad news, and they're going to go back up. Of course, we're on, at that point, was the cusp of this, this massive slide, which this last week um, was the worst week on record for the Dow. Yes, it was. Ever. Yes. Period. Period. Okay? Um, for the market as a whole, you have to go back to 1933 to find a week worse. That's how far you have to go back to the Great Depression. Um, to, to give some insight into like the difference between a recession and a depression, okay, because the, the terms get thrown around a little bit. So we hit a recession in 2001, uh, t- tech burst, all that. We hit a recession in 1987 when the market crashed. 1988, the market had recovered. It took about a year and it got back. 2003, the market was back up and functioning from the crash. The market did not get back to pre- 1929 levels until 1954. Wow. Okay, that's how long it takes for depression to recover. Um, so Apple continued to slide, and um, I had I there was various other stocks that I had got in. Basically, I chose to invest three thousand. Is what I chose to like. This is the money that I. Can it really manage. sounds like you got in about five days too early. I did get in five days too early, and yeah. so the market has been swinging left and right. right. And I did some day trading. I actually did some day trading. Um, you place what you call limit orders. A limit order basically says I am going to buy or sell this stock at this price or better. So if I'm selling a stock, then it has to be that price or higher. If I'm buying it, it has to be that price or lower. Okay. So once the stock falls below my limit, then it's just an order like, hey, I'm, I'm buying or I'm selling. And I just basically timed and got lucky because the markets the last two weeks have had huge swings. Uh, on Friday, the market swung a thousand points on the Dow. Yeah. Right, ten percent just swung from bottom to top. Like it's insane. So there's obviously a lot of money to be made just at buying at the low and catching it at the high. And of course, you're risking that because you don't know that it's going to switch back. So for Apple, for example, I bought it at 110. Now I'm looking at Apple's not moving off of 98. Like then it had slid next week and stayed a couple of days at 98. And I'm thinking, like, okay, before, my assumption was, hey, it's a one-day fuck-up, and Apple will... The, the stocks, 
the blue chips, the big companies, are going to recover. The people that didn't belong there in the first Eventually place. Eventually they will, yeah. But yeah, no, they're going to be cleaned out. But now I'm thinking, okay, we're heading into recession territory. It's just getting worse than I, I think it is. And I'm not liking the fact that I bought Apple at 110 because that may be where Apple gets back to when things get normal. Now I'm breaking even. So uh, what I did is a technique called buying down, right? Okay. I call Apple on the next swing down. I actually bought more Apple, a shitload more Apple, at $89 a share. All right, so it so when it kind of got out. back up to its average of 98 that was my average, and I could break even and step away. Um, there was a couple stocks that I just caught and made 50 bucks on, a couple of stocks that I, I lost 20 bucks on. But I net got through the first week and didn't lose a dime of my $3,000. Oh, and wow. then, that is, uh... Uh, I'm not bragging at all. I mean, a lot of this yeah. is oh shit moments. A lot of this is um, sitting there with fucking. And, and you know what company I'm with? Sam Walton has or uh, <clears throat> Sam Watterson has my ass. You know, like TD yes. Ameritrade is the only <laughs> one I trust. Fuck Actually, yeah! I went and I looked. So uh, I'm not just going to give a, a, a useless endorsement of them. I went and actually looked because E-Trade has on there like six ninety nine to nine ninety nine for our trades. Well, you know what, E-Trade? I don't have $30,000 to invest to qualify for that package. So, um, TD sure most Ameritrade, people, you're going to see a big reduction in the number of people who are willing to invest $30,000. 30, um, so, the, the, the TD Ameritrade truly does, like I read through a lot of the, the other ones, and TD Ameritrade really does have, it's $10 a trade. And we don't yep. care what kind of trade it is. We don't care, you know, if if an actual trade happens, it's ten bucks. And yep. I might be able to be a little cheaper on a Scott trade or an E trade, but I don't know what the hell I'm doing yet in the market, let alone trying to figure out their crazy system. So, um, but then the next week, and I moved into some stocks, and I can talk about them off the podcast. Like I said, I don't want to be locked into these stocks. Um, I feel fairly confident right now that these are going to be good. Um, the market did continue to slide a little bit, so of my $3,000, I'm down 10%. I'm down $300 in what they like to call unrealized losses. So there's a little you bit haven't of a sold bullshit. them yet. But... There's a little bit of a bullshit term. No, I've lost $300. Right. Just because I haven't sold the stock doesn't mean, doesn't you... mean I haven't lost $300. Um, is that what an unrealized loss is? That's what an unrealized okay. loss or an unrealized gain is. Um, so it's kind of funny because it's like if – I think you can't have it – I think you have to play it um, – we've got Megatron taking on Optimus Prime over here. Sorry, I'm listening. The battle of uh, depression era Autobots. <laughs> Maybe um, we ought not use that term yet. Um, the uh, – <clears throat> so – I'm down 10%, but the market's down like third. So, you know, I'm... <laughs> you are beating the market. I'm okay there. And, and the companies I'm in, I feel like, do have a shot at coming up a little bit to where they're at. Yeah. Um, and, and, and being okay. Uh, I imagine we are... We have not yet hit the point where we're sure exactly what's going to happen. Because it was edging up on Friday. It was edging down. You know, so since I've been intimately involved, I've had... Um, an anal rapage level of education in the market, right? These yeah, last this was, two weeks, this was I not think, the time to get in. No, these last two weeks are the time to get in because there's no better motivator than $3,000 of your money being involved than to learn the shit right now what's going on. That is true. So, man. here is a layman's breakdown 
Oh, and this is really the shit that I kind of wanted to talk about today. A language breakdown of what the hell has happened, what's going on, and, and where it's at. Um, so essentially, you got the housing, had the housing bubble bullshit. Yes. And what that was is you had banks giving away, um, you had all these mortgage brokers that weren't necessarily tied to a bank. We bought a house, I bought a house. And I went to a mortgage broker. I didn't go to a bank and get a loan. I went to a mortgage company that actually got the loan. Right. They went and got a bank to back them. Then my mortgage was sold three times over to different banks before I wound up at Citigroup. And that's who now owns uh, my mortgage. So these mortgage brokers, basically, they didn't have, they don't back the mortgages. Right? They're, they're selling the mortgage to a bank who's then going to get the, the interest over the entire period of the mortgage. So there's a value of the mortgage, right? There's the interest over the lifetime of the mortgage. Their job is sales, not finance. They just care about the number of mortgages they sell. And then they get a finder's fee. And they get a little bit of money. And the bank, theoretically, makes this money as you pay back the loan. Because they didn't have to deal with getting it or anything like that. But the problem is is that at no point were people really vetted for credit. So they got all these mortgages out there that people cannot afford. Also, Imagine this is along the same lines of credit card companies that will go, hey, you're pre-approved. You know. And just like the credit card companies, these mortgages were horrible, horrible mortgages to take. These were your variable interest rate mortgages. These were your mortgages rates that scaled up over time and things like that. Like they would get you in low and then go up crazy. Um, so, you know, it's hard. You know, you have to have personal responsibility but at the same time, there was a set of things going on because the bank started working with the mortgage brokers saying, well, hell, if you can sell these really crappy mortgage vehicles, well, we're going to get to rate these guys. And um, you can get these mortgages. There are basically these and they did these where, rate these guys in their meetings. Yeah, I mean, there are mortgages that after a couple of years, the rates change such to a point that if you continued making your payment, the interest was accruing faster than you were paying. So I mean, there really should be... Like a law against that, you know, that's where the regulation broke down. Okay, to even allow this to happen, like the federal regulators should step in here at this point and basically come through it and say, okay, guys, you cannot have a minimum payment that does not pay off the balance. Period. We need a law that says that, okay? A credit card, mortgage, loan, auto loan, I don't care what, there has to be something that says, hey, your minimum balance has to pay off that loan eventually, right? That wasn't there. That is not something that is sustainable so, in any market. So what magnifies the problem here uh, are hedge funds. So the next level of... This, this shit gets complicated. It gets complicated crazy fast. Yeah. But when it all comes down, it's a house of cards. So hedge funds are really what the insane wealthy started doing. A hedge fund is, is kind of the same idea like a mutual fund. A bunch of people get together, pull your money together, then they go all go off you buy a bunch of assets, stocks, and shit like that. Right. That's what a mutual fund buys. Mutual fund buys stocks and bonds and, and things like that. A hedge fund is open to buy anything. Some of the hedge funds bought paintings, okay, because they could buy the art and then resell the art. So basically, these were your extremely wealthy who aren't happy with just the stock market. You know, We, we need to do more things with our money. Um, and part of the things that they would do is they would interject themselves in this mortgage process. So they would run around, the hedge fund would run out and buy up all of these independent little mortgages, put them together under one blanket, and then resell them 
to another bank or foreign investor or something of that nature. And at this point is when the books really got flaky. Because now it's not even like John's loan or Dylan's loan. It's this group of loans. Okay? This is where they start calling oh, them like man. investment vehicles and shit like that. Um, it's these group of loans that they got resold. And then maybe even again after that. So these hedge funds owned a lot of them. A lot of these. Right? Now, somebody wakes up one day and goes, wait a minute. These aren't worth shit. These people cannot pay these loans. It's artificially inflated value. So the theory is that, hey, these things are worth this X amount because there's going to be this much interest paid on the loan, and they're secured to these assets, these, these properties. So even if these people def- you know, lose their houses uh, or can't make their payments, you have these homes. But when you start looking at it, it's like, wait a minute, the home values were inflated because we threw a lot of money into the system because anybody can get a loan, so that rose house prices artificially. Right. The houses aren't worth what they what they are on paper. These people can't pay back the loans. This is when the housing crisis. This is when the first bubble popped. This was the the, the tipping point. Because the hedge funds had a lot of these. These are what you call illiquid assets. These are not liquid assets. These are illiquid assets. You can't get your cash out of. You them can't get your cash out of a house yes. quickly. You can get your cash quickly out of a stock market, but not out of these these bad investments and all that. So now all of a sudden, these hedge funds, they have all this money they cannot sell anymore. Because now every bank, no bank is touching them. Because the banks are actually, at this point, uh, this is the beginning of the summer, they're realizing they're fucked. They just don't know how far fucked they are. Um, and this is, you know, where we're, we're starting to have banks fail later and shit like that. That's going to spiral other things out. Because these banks, their money is frozen too. And now... Big guys with lots of money start to want to move their cash around. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> they go to a Wycovia, right? They're like, give me your money. You know, give me my money out of Wycovia because I can't get my money out of the hedge fund because it's tied up in this thing, but I need to get my money somewhere to make the balance sheet balance out. But by the way, Wycovia has a shitload of these bad horses, so it doesn't have liquid money. So it has to start selling things that it wouldn't otherwise sell to be able to cash you out. All and right. didn't another bank buy Wachovia? <clears throat> uh, Wachovia actually, so the government started to get involved. This is, timeline-wise, this is like last week or so. Citigroup, uh, Wachovia is, is dead. Wachovia is gone. Um, so at this point, uh, what happens is... Um, happens is that at this point um, the Fed steps in and we got to sell Wachovia. So basically the bank is dead but to keep people from losing their money that have money in Wachovia uh, and assets and stuff and savings in Wachovia. And this can also be retirement funds in Wachovia. This can be, you know, this is more than just like a savings account, right? At these these giant banks, people have a lot of 401ks and shit going on. Uh, They auction off the assets. So other guy, people can come in and buy the assets, and the public is okay while the bank implodes. And Citigroup basically stepped in, and they wanted to buy it. But Citigroup was not buying... Mo- they were buying the good parts, and they weren't touching the other parts, leaving the government and the taxpayer on the hook to pay the rest. Then Wells bail. Fargo Wells Fargo came in and said, no, we're actually going to buy the whole thing without any federal government money. Yeah, because I had... Um 
I've got my auto loan through Wells Fargo, and they pulled me in and. Uh, Hey, let's let's look at your loan and see if we can get you a better deal. Which all they could get me was cash out, which I didn't want. That was one of the things they were like, "Yeah, you know, we we just bought Wachovia and all this stuff." And like, so um, in, in that instance, uh, Wells ended up buying Wachovia. That Citigroup walked away. They're they're pissed off because they feel like because the Fed brokered the deal, they're entitled to it. But the truth is that Wells is do not take any taxpayer money, and they're taking all of it. Um, that was good for the shareholders. It was good for the taxpayers. It's good for the employees because they have jobs. And Citigroup was basically going to gut Wachovia. So that meant firing everybody to make the books look good. Would have screwed over Wells Fargo, a a much smaller bank than Citigroup. And this allows Wells Fargo to put themselves into the league of the big boys. They also, this is a growth position for them. This gives Wells Fargo nationwide coverage now. They have branches everywhere. Kind of like buying into the stock market right now. Yeah, I mean, there are... On the long term. One thing to understand, and if you get involved in here, is to understand the difference between Wall Street and Main Street. So Wall Street's panicking, but companies that have cash can look at it. This is Main Street. And say, like a Wells Fargo... We could buy Wachovia and have branches nationwide, and that's a growth option for us. And because we have cash, we're not tied up in bad mortgages and shit like that. That makes sense for us to grow. And these are the stocks that will still go up. Uh, money's yep. still going to be made, guys, in any market. That's, that's always true. Um, you just have to understand what the changes are. So anyway, the hedge funds are what a lot of this panic that's the downslide is because... There are good companies that have good books that are in cash. They don't need any money to operate. And their stocks are tumbling, right? Just right. massive fear of the Just marketplace of that. going on. I'd imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, part of this will probably change after the presidential election just because there is so much uncertainty right now. There is no faith. Um, that's part of the problem here right now, okay? Uh, I don't care what your... Uh, political affiliation is here, but you have to, you've got to step back and, and say that there's no faith in the government's ability to handle a disaster. Right. There was no faith, I mean, things were screwed up after 9-11. Yep. Things were screwed up after Katrina. Things are screwed up in Iraq. Um, I mean, basically everywhere that they have been called on to jump in, they have screwed it up even worse. So and if this turns this, into a disaster. Market, what they have done up to this point has screwed up. This bailout package. Um, was needed the time of the housing crisis. This is where Jim Cramer comes in, right? So he, right. he like had that crazy video of they know nothing, you know, and he's shouting and they don't know that because these are the dots that are connected. So the, the hedge funds, to run this out where the hedge funds mm-hmm. are contributing to this amazing downslide is once the bank's starting to implode, once government is seizing banks now, that's what the TARP package, the 700 bailout, allows the government to do is invest and buy into banks. So, so the government may seize a bank or the government may invest in a bank and give it money and let it keep flowing and, and your account's still good, right? Yeah. So that keeps your account up. That's a very good, you know, Main Street type thing. Wall Street side of the equation. A bank that's taking money from the government is not a growth bank. Once the government's involved, they really can't take a whole lot of risk on. They really can't grow. They're not going to drive their stock price up. Nobody wants to buy shares of this. So nobody wants to invest in banks right now because the government may seize that bank if it thinks, hey, that bank's going down too low. 
Um, so, and this also drives what they call a credit crisis. So banks loan to each other a lot more than they borrow from the government, from the central bank. Right? Right. So when they, when they make a loan and they need money to give out the loan, they can borrow the prime interest rate. Right, We all know what that is. Uh, they can borrow from the government at the set rate of interest and then make that loan to you. But they also borrow a lot more from each other where they don't have as stringent as requirements as the government has. And that's the day-to-day banking loans. Um, these loans between banks are uninsured. Okay, The banks... So if they fail... If they fail, there's no guarantee on it. But it's crucial to our economy. That's, right. that's the way that these banks can move large sums of money around. It's crucial to the economy. None of the banks trust the other banks because they're all afraid they're going to be seized by the government. And because... The government, the Fed, doesn't stand up there and say what they're going to do next, right? They play this reactionary game and they say, like, we're, we're committed to doing whatever is necessary. Wall Street doesn't want to hear that. Wall Street wants to hear, we're going to seize so they can X, Y, and Z. We're going to invest in A, B, and C, and we're done. That is the plan unless we think a depression is coming. That is what we're doing. Unless it continues to go down, and we'll reevaluate this in two weeks, and we'll tell you in two weeks, we don't think we need to do anymore. That's what Wall Street wants to know. So Wall Street can say, Wachovia, screw. Wells, we know the government is not going to touch Wells. They said they think Wells is doing fine. We're going to flock to Wells. AIG, the fact that the government bailed out AIG is what partially took down Wachovia. Right? So if you're in Wachovia, and it's shaky, And then the government basically seizes and bails out AIG, and it's like, we're guaranteeing everything in IAG. Where the fuck do you put your money? Not in uh, Wachovia. Not not in Wachovia. The government just guaranteed everything over in AIG. So people... So people, like, massive run on Wachovia. All of a sudden, now Wachovia, which was teetering, now is imploding because everybody's pulling out of it. Here's where the hedge funds play in. Um, I didn't finish, finish this out. Let me explain it. Here's where the hedge funds play in. So the hedge funds are these big guys that have a lot of money. And, um, you know, people are out there saying, like, oh, you've got to stay in faith in the market. you got to stay in the market. And there is basically a big lie from the people coming that are saying, you know, stay in the market and be confident and all that crap. Well, they move their money to Swiss bank accounts and shit, knowing that, no, it's, it's really fucking dire right now. And what happens is they've got their money in this hedge fund. And I told you this hedge fund can buy anything. It's bought paintings. It's bought bad mortgages. It's bought some land out in you know, Florida. Whatever it thought it could make money on. Right. Most of it, illiquid assets. Now, an investor in the hedge fund. I'm not, I don't know if Warren Buffett's in it. But, you know, some big dollar guy says, cash me out. I'm out of the hedge fund. Give me back, you know, whatever. I'm taking my loss that you've already lost, uh, and cash me out. You can't sell the paintings and the properties fast enough to cash it out. The only thing you can sell are your stocks to get money out quickly. Now you're selling stocks you don't want to sell. You're selling the Walmarts that would do good. You're selling the McDonald's that are going to do good. You're selling your Procter & Gamble's that will do good. You're selling all of So your- not only you're taking a loss, you're reducing your uh, ability to... Make a gain, make gains later exactly. on. Exactly, and in the long if you term. have to sell two million shares of Walmart on the open market, because the hedge funds are your multi-billionaires, 
So we're not talking like me selling 200 shares of Walmart. We're talking yeah. 2 million shares of Walmart. That's a lot sold. of shares you have to get out, and so the price goes down. You can't sell too many shares without yes. driving the price down. And this is what we've been seeing in the slide. It's the hedge funds, yeah. which hedge funds, guess what, guys? Not as regulated as a mutual fund mutual would fund, be. Right. They are a less regulated fund as far as what they can do and what they can move around. So again, they were allowed to be in a position where if people wanted to withdraw cash, nothing said they had to have a certain amount of cash, a certain amount of liquid holdings, a certain amount. Like a mutual fund would have rules on it to say, okay, you, know, you have to be able to handle 20% of your people wanting to cash out right now, right? You've got to be able to handle that. So it structures, it's, uh, it's investing towards that. It, it does. Liquid versus uh, or at least, assets. At least there's some theory, whether it would work in practice, right. you know, because as soon as you hit 30% of the people want their money out, you know, which could happen with the 401ks. People have 401ks, most are mutual funds. They could decide, hey, I'm changing my 401k, but which least, would be the worst thing to do right now. But at least at that point, you know, if they were structured more towards liquid assets rather than not having any particular structure at all, even if you know thirty percent did one outright, then the uh, the amount of damage caused by having to sell your your good stocks, your Walmart's, your McDonald's, things like that, would be lessened than rather than well, shit, I don't have any liquid money. Let's just yeah. sell whatever we can. Yeah, and I would I would imagine I, kind of what you're getting at there. A lot of this is caused by panic, and so uh, we my, would do better if we kept a uh, my impression. My impression and understanding is that the slide we're in stops really when the hedge funds have completely imploded. When I, I really don't think, I mean, because once, I don't know, again, I don't know if he's in a hedge fund, but let's say you were in a hedge fund with Bill Gates and Warren Buffett. Right. Right? And they both pulled out. And Jimmy Buffett. And Jimmy Buffett, what the hell? Um, they pulled out. How much capital is left in Not that fund? Much. You know, it's like at this point, you know what? Cash me out too. Like just, just get out. Um, and when these things stop going, um, then the good stocks, the stocks that do well in a recession, in a depression, this, which are staples. Yes. Jim Cramer had had a line at one point in one of his shows: um, "If you can eat it, wear it, clean with it." Take it when you're sick or smoke it. It's a buy, right? These yes. are your depression era stocks. These are your, your they're going to do good. And and on top of that, what he's saying too is finds ones with good yield, which are dividends. Right. Which basically these companies like a Walmart aren't growing. Walmart is not a growth stock. Walmart's stock price is not going to go up so much in a day when they announce they opened a new store in Hickman. Whatever Virginia, you know, wherever the hell they open the store, that <laughs> yeah. doesn't move their stock. What people put money in this Walmart is, you know, and I don't know what they pay. Uh, I should look that up, but what they maybe they pay two, three, four percent, right? So they pay four percent yield, four percent dividend uh, on their shares, or you know, that's their target yield. So hey, that's better than two percent in a savings account, right? So you can put a lot of money in there, and you still make some money until the market recovers. You know, that's why it's a bear market. You hibernate a little bit. You, know, you read off of these. Um, so right now, that's where you're, for your, for your long-term, you know, you look on those. Now, because I'm getting into it, I'm not really looking for a three- to five-year style uh, batten down the hatches investment style. Because I'm just getting in right now. Yeah. Okay, if you had money to protect... 
And you're not dumping in a significant yeah, portion yeah. of... I mean, uh, if I had money already in there, let's say I was already in the stock market for 30000 then I would try to get 20000 of that money into Walmarts and things like that so that that 20000 can weather the storm and then maybe just play with 10000 maybe just play with the 5000 in the market. Because Definitely. I'm just starting with the 3000 I'm I'm fine having that in what they all call and they call it speculation. So a market analyst calls it speculation, and I call it betting because that's what it is. is. Speculation is a nice way of saying I'm betting on the market. I have picked companies that I think um, will do well through fourth quarter and first quarter of next year, uh, and will come out and their earning statements will still hit their targets or exceed their targets, and at that point. Wall Street will expect everybody to miss their earnings, to miss their earning statements um, as they announce them over the next quarters. That just the fact that they make them will be a rally and like, oh wow, they made they made their statements there, there they are recession proof. Like like uh, video games, you know, like entertainment industry is normally thought of as a recession proof industry. Really, people still like to get away and go see movies and yeah, you know, that's true. and it's not. A major purchase. So it's not like, hey, I'm buying a Sony TV. No, times are tough. But you know what, honey, we're going to go out tonight and we're going to go see the latest movie, whatever. We're going to go see the Harry Potter movie. Um, so, and, and my recession proof means it really doesn't grow or shrink. It just doesn't crash. Yeah, based on uh, the economy so much. But these stocks have taken hits. And how much of that is due to these hedge funds having to sell off and the market just plunging? Uh, the, the, this will come out too late for anybody to use this, but um, Monday and Tuesday, uh, Kramer was saying uh, he still expects a slide Monday and Tuesday. Hmm. Uh, he's been lining it up to patterns and saying that if we are in a 87 and a uh, uh, 2001 scenario type crash, yeah. then we're still not done on our slide these market forces, yada, 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 which I've, I've spent enough of podcasts on most of but these haven't been met yet. We haven't right. hit equilibrium yet to where you begin to go up. Now, uh, you sent me an email uh, Monday. Yeah. Yeah. About uh, Jim About Kramer. Kramer. And here, the funny thing is, is that, and, and, you know, you hate to be right in this way, and he's even, like, said to be right in this way. Monday, Monday morning, um, now... Prior to Monday morning, all last week, he had been saying on his show, get 20% into cash. Get 20% of your portfolio into cash. Get 20% into cash. Right. So Monday, he, he like rung the alarm bell. You know, and he was like, sell, sell, sell. And I, I got to tell you, and, and what he actually said was that anything that you need to do in the next five years. Pull it out. Take it out of the market right yeah. now. And he said, you know, if you, if you have, if you're buying a house and that money is in the market right now that was going to be used to buy a house or a kid going to college, you know, you have right. one of these um, 529, like a 401k, there's a 529 fund, which you can set up for a kid's college fund. Um, if you have any of that and you need it in the next five years, you got to get it out of the market right now because in five years, it's not, I can't tell you it's going to be back. And if you need that money, you need to get it out. If you think you're in a job that you may not have, if the economy really, really tanks. Um, some of these long-reaching effects that we're going to start seeing, um, either Ford or GM or both, one of those, may be gone. 
Yeah, GM Ford is was down below six dollars a share uh, so, this week. So who else gets in the market besides you know like banks? This all sounds financial institution all that. Where else? Who else gets in these banks? Uh, insurance companies. So your MetLife, your State Farm. So you get a life insurance policy, right? How do you think they make money on your life insurance policy, right? Do you really think they can come up with a hundred thousand dollars based on the ten dollars a month that you kick in? You know, two hundred thousand dollars a month on that policy. They no, what that. they do is they pull everybody's money together, and they can. This has always been the understanding. You guys, all excuse me. I'm going to go uh, find the employment pages. <laughs> um, you, you put all this money into the market to to make money. Some of these investment companies, I, I don't know the breakdowns of each. Okay, some of these investment companies, smart. They they invested in more conservative things. Some of them got greedy and took in some of these hedge funds with the money. Uh, so when a, a Lehman Brothers failed, that bank collapsed. That's gone. Anybody that had shares or hedge funds in Lehman Brothers lost that money. That's yep. gone. Uh, a lot of people say that they were too big to fail. You met life, had a lot of Lehman Brothers. I know that they did. Um, and, and so that could, be a big, that could be a big hit to average life uh, is to wake up one day and realize you no longer have a life insurance policy. Because well, MetLife is gone. And life insurance policies are not federally insured. This is not a savings account. Right. Um, GM Ford, right? These guys have been sucking profits, sucking ass on their balance sheet for years. Yep. Okay? They've not been great companies for years. They, just like the 80s, have continued to produce big gas guzzling vehicles because they came in fad for a while. And they and they aren't set up to shift in the market. Now the market, the gas went up high. Nobody wants SUVs. Um, SUV market's kind of saturated anyway. I think just on its own, it's run its course. Uh, it's not the new hotness. It's not the new fad. The new cool. But it's uh, true. They're late to the hybrid game. Uh, once again, the foreign automakers are ahead of the curve. Uh, once again, like in the '80s when the auto makers had a big problem and Toyota swooped in. Toyota, once again, is poised to do the same thing again. Um, Ford's talking about selling its stake in Mazda to have operating capital. Not because Mazda is sucking, but Ford owns like a third of Mazda. I thought they owned all of it, but they own a third. Um, So Ford's looking to sell Mazda to to, to get some capital to sustain. But also realize what these companies have because of the unions involved. Because of the unions involved, there's a lot of union retired that are drawing checks from GM from Ford. Right. right, and basically, and and Ford and GM have been at every union talk trying to explain this problem of the amount we owe the retirement fund, and the amount we owe you for your health care, and the amount that we owe you for these benefits is far greater than the money we're making. <laughs> and so Ford and GM have a lot of money in the market to make up the difference to try to keep this afloat long enough for that the the old. People to literally die oh, off, so that wow. the new fund packages, the new guys that they can lower, you know, and and sign on that, they can go away. Um, so, and, and people have been saying this for a while that the unions are eventually kill these companies because yeah. the unions, you know, they strike and and, and they use. Their there's tools. a point at which they're needed, but past that point, well, there's a point at which the unions are demanding things that companies cannot give, give them. Right. Um, and that they the unions aren't. Great at identifying the fact that hey, nobody's buying Ford and GM cars. They're great at identifying uh, what the market can support, uh, and they can't adapt case. to that. And so they're really rigid and really inflexible. And so now it's coming out like where yeah. GM is trading at like under a dollar a share. 
Yep. You know, they, they dip below a dollar at one point. I think they're down to like four dollars or something is what they closed at. But crazy. It's yep. crazy. It's yep. insane. I mean, GM's a penny stock. At this point, GM is a penny stock. I could uh, be an apartment manager, although I don't know what multifamily experience is. Um, multifamily? Is that yeah. like dealing with multiple families living in the one apartment? Is that... Probably so. Which, uh, which may be coming in... Uh, well, I have experience with that then. You, you, you would. That's our house. <laughs> Uh, that is the commune. And, that is the commune here. And, and the single guy. It's like a sitcom. Yeah. Only not so as funny. If you're not comedy in, relief. If you're not in the stock market, like Seinfeld, only nobody's laughing. Well, no, I would say now is the time to get in. We're very this close. Is. We're very close to a bot. Okay, yes. because all right, so you you can Wall Street will panic, Wall Street will go crazy. There's no bottom, oh my god, you know, it's gonna be worth nothing. But they, they forget about Main Street. And Main Street is your Wells Fargo that says Wachovia just got too damn cheap to not buy. So there's a point where a company sinks below its actual value that another company says, uh, we might have merged or you were a competitor. And they say, now we can just buy you because you were stupid. So a lot of companies were stupid in the run up to this. And they bought back shares. So a real easy way to drive up the earnings per share is to take shares off the market, right? right? If you can adjust, you can adjust two things when you when you have a division, right? You can adjust the earnings, which is make more money, or you can adjust the per share part, which is have less shares out in circulation. So uh, to drive up their books and to have good numbers, these companies took their surpluses, took their good makers, and went out and bought their own stock back. Um, that is just a stupid thing. In fact, in one of the things I have read... It's a short-term fix. Is that if you see management doing that, if you go to a company and you're trying to evaluate, okay, what's their management look like? Has they bought back their shares? And when they bought back their shares, under what conditions do they do it? And they do it just because they have money, right? That was a stupid thing. Because what happened to those shares now that they bought back in August of this year when we took a little dive... Took a little hit off of uh, these things. They thought, hey, our shares have gone down artificially, and let's buy them back up, and they'll go back up, and the company will have more capital because it can sell these shares. Right. Well, now the market's no. crashed. All that cash is just gone. Yep. The economy is. And they not, may not be able to survive to a point where they can sell them off at be, a. Uh, now, any company price. that kept that cash is sitting on a stockpile of money that can now buy out other companies and use it intelligently. Uh, and say, you know, hey, um, so uh, it, Walgreens wants to buy, you know, another, you know, CVS. I, I, I don't know. I'm making those up, but that's the kind of thing that will happen here. Yep. Uh, coming forward. So, but it is the time, I think, to get in because um, we, we're, we're hitting pretty much. What, the what's, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? The stock market's going to crash? Oh, wait. I mean,. First of all, and you got to do it this way. You really cannot put in any money you cannot afford to lose. Because like I said, I call it betting. It is betting. It is betting. If I identify it as betting, I am gambling, right? And then I can do like I would do at a casino. I walked in with money I can lose. Yep. So I am not in risk of needing that money. And I can afford to play around with it. Let's all take a uh, weekend uh, trip down to Wall Street and we'll all go crazy. 
it, it is um, it is more than a half off sale right now. I mean, we're looking at like yep. a half off plus the white sale plus uh, post Christmas, post Halloween bash sell off. Yeah. So if if you're in it for the long term, if you're in it for the long term, do good nothing. time do nothing. Do it, I mean, my long term, by more than five years. Okay. So uh, there's the theory. There, well, it's not really a theory. There's the practice of what they call dollar cost averaging. And basically, because you're buying your 401ks, your IRAs, because you're buying a little every month, all yes. right, you are dollar cost averaging. So whatever the market rate is at that month is what you're buying at it. So when it goes down, you're buying more shares, right? Um, so when it goes back up, you have more shares that you acquired, and that will weigh out. Uh, and there has never been a case where... Investing in stocks over a 20-year period is a bad thing. Hasn't been the best thing. Mm-hmm. So the best thing, stocks, not, not bonds or anything, but actual just straight-up stocks over a 20-year period has always been the best way to make money over that 20-year period. Um, so, no, do nothing there. Do nothing unless you need it in five years. And if you weren't in the market, that's what I'm saying, so back yeah. to over there, then you obviously don't have any money in the market that you that you lost, so you need to lose. So, um, but you do need to be. We are still not out of the woods of actually having like a depression. Yeah, because I mean, the stuff's failing worldwide. Yep. Because guess what? Um, I love the fact that Russia was complaining that um, the American banks are affecting you know the Russian. Markets and shit like that, and and they're affecting Russia's money and all that. And I'm thinking that was a good thing well, when uh, they were doing it, well. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't that mean you have your Russian money in our financial system? Like at some point, you have taken Russian money and converted it to dollars and invested it, so that you could probably get into the same hedge funds and just kind of make crazy money because uh, everybody was making crazy money, and now you get burned. So. Um, what happened to communism there? That sounds like capitalism to and, me. And Soviet Russia stops by you. <laughs> so I think we're like pretty far over an hour. Uh, we're, we're pretty good shots. We're, we're yeah. Um, I would say it is a time uh, we've talked about this. We've talked about this. Um, I'll probably grab Nathan and we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit more of starting a. Uh, I want to call it a trading group, not an investment group, because. Right. Again, I just want to use the right words to invoke what I'm doing. I want to get Being active in trading. Of sticking your money somewhere and watching it gain. Investing okay. is um, investing is a short a sim- set of simple rules. You follow these rules, and you're pretty much going to be okay. You hit market average. Yeah. Even if you hit market average, that would be great. You know, yeah. you would be good, good there. You were saving money. That's investing. I'm talking about trading because um, if... The stocks. I went and I, I calculated um, based on, on on values of where they were at, and using some formulas to figure out what a stock should be priced at based on competitors, based on multiple, based on all these formulas. Like I try to try to come up with some stock numbers of what they should trade at. Right. Because I have to know when to sell. Right. I would have six thousand dollars. Like it would literally double my money if these companies were at their valuation. Um, now, the market is based on the confidence of that valuation, so that is obviously you know what's tanking it. 
But let's say the confidence is restored, or these companies hit their earnings markets, or you know, for whatever reason, these these companies hit their targets, right? I double my money. Yep. I double my money in less than a year, right? The return on rate is amazing. Now, uh, I'm in four stocks. Let's say I only get it right on one, right? And they're pretty evenly split. That one still makes up for the others. Yep. So, you know, hitting one home run can win the whole freaking game. It, it's not a case of you have to constantly pick, right? If you start sitting down and playing with the numbers, and, and, and I recommend getting a, a, a group going and, and kind of sharing these numbers and running these with friends, but if you, if you hit the right numbers, they can make up, your wins can far make up for your losses. Um, and if you have no problem with losing, so... This is Jim Cramer, sell, 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 right? Um, you've lost some money. Like the market had tanked before he said sell, sell, sell. Then the market had the worst week in history. Right. So anybody that sold at the beginning of the week looks pretty smart now. Um, if, if, uh, if you took those losses and just said, okay, shit's bad, but it's getting worse, and I'm better to sell now than to write it down to a point where I cannot recover... That money, it's actually gone. Um, you can do all right. You can do all right. All right. Anyone else have anything? I have a public service announcement. Which is? October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. If you haven't done your self-check, do it. Early detection will save your life. Guys, if you know anybody who needs to We can volunteer to do checks. As long as you're being serious about it. There's there's a difference between playing and helping. You can go to Tord and buy the official breast cancer awareness boob lube. I wish I had had a cool type of cancer. But, no, seriously. People Those people are mafia. What? The pink ribbon people? They, oh. No, no, seriously. I'm not joking. They put the screws to companies like you would believe. Okay, so companies know that that pink ribbon drives up sales like you wouldn't believe. Yep. It is a strong sell. And the breast awareness group that has the trademarks over all of that, they let you in the first year, you gotta donate ten thousand dollars. Or you gotta donate two or three percent of sales. Oh. So then you you get all these sales and it was a hey, we made profit and all that. Next year, they ratchet it up. They come back and like, okay, you gotta double your commitment from last year. The third year, you gotta double your commitment from the year before. They actually put the screws to people, uh, to other companies, and like force you to give more and more uh, every year. I think it's great. It's great, but it's the merchandise sells. I have a pink ribbon care bear. A pink care bear, and yeah. the the amount. I mean, I think it's genius. I mean, that they they run it in this style of like, you know. Okay, now that you've seen the sales that that pink ribbon generates for you, you're going to kick in more, or you're not going to get the pink ribbon anymore. Well, think about who controls the spending in the household. Exactly. And believe it or not, they will sue you over the color pink. That wouldn't surprise me. I mean, if, if you say, you know what? Fuck your pink ribbon. Fuck, you know, your actual organization. We can do a charitable event. And put pink on it. We'll do something for women. We'll do anything for women. We'll put pink on it. Um, if you get close to what the Breast Cancer Awareness Society thinks, hey, you're trying to cash in on the pink ribbon, they come after you. Hardcore. No. Um, and hey, wait a minute. They are making tons of money, and it is for a good cause, right? More charities, 
sit up and take notice, man. You know, like if 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 you can tie in your charity to sales, and and hey, capitalist first, right? That's what capitalist I said, right? Capitalist first. Capitalist first, and oh. this is a great solution here, um, where the nonprofit organization puts the screws to the profit companies, wow. and and forces them to give more to their cause. The only thing that I hate. These are things I don't um, want to know about. The only thing I hate on breast cancer, but this is true of what's the NFL? Is United Way that they're yeah, a big I part know, of? Yeah. This is this is true of all of the large ones. When you sit down and you look at how much money goes to the actual thing that they're supposed to help, it's only like thirty percent, forty percent of that money makes it down there. Yeah, because there's so much overhead. The government tracks this number. You can go uh, if you go look Google like CFC, the Combined Federal Campaign. They have a listing of all charities that. The government um, identifies properly, and they tell you like what percentage of that dollar, how it gets broken down among management and things like that. And I hate to see that 60% of it got lost in admin and marketing. But before you get battled that 60% and you go jump to a charity that says, hey, 90% of our stuff goes to this thing, you got to put dollar amounts behind it. Yeah, you got to see how much they're actually... Because that- 90% of a million dollars... Versus 60% of $70 billion or whatever they do. It yeah. takes money to make money. It does take money. Fact of the matter is, in the past eight years, there have been some drugs that were experimental a few years back that are now proven with results. And um, See, I'm that's the way, with them. That's the way with the that. Walmarts and, and the product makers and all that fuck back over the breast cancer community. And and they get out of the little raping that they're they're doing to them, you know, with the pink ribbons. <laughs> they cure breast cancer. Yeah. They're like, screw you, we'll cure breast cancer, and now we're not under your thumb anymore, because uh, oh. there's no reason for your existence, right? Wow, <laughs> that would be nice if uh, there were no reason. When market for forces work, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> uh, all I'm saying is, if I start finding suspicious lumps, um, both of mine are gone without a second thought. I, I have had I mean, cancer. I've actually gone through it and had it. And, you know, early detection is a huge thing. I was fucking 25 when I was, when I was caught with cancer. Do not think you're too old oh, or yeah, too young no, not to get it. 15. Um, to get checks and things like that. And that's one thing I hope come out of the elections um, is, okay, so now the clock's gone off twice. Like, our podcast is really Yes, cool. we've... Uh, uh, we've got to wrap it up. But, yeah, just to put that's one thing I hope come out of the elections. Uh, whoever gets elected is that um, the... the Health insurance companies get some incentive, some some market force comes into play, some rule comes into play, something comes into play that basically have the insurance companies annoying the hell out of you to get checkups and, yes. and, and MRIs and PET scans. I'm not talking about like going to the doctor and he grabs your balls and you turn and you cough. Yeah. I'm talking about like actual full scans, like when they think there's something they do, incentivize that. So that the insurance company basically knows, hey, if you can get 90% of the people on your plan to get these checks, then we're going to look the other way on, on 90% of your taxes or something crazy yeah. like that. And so, in the long run, it's going to save them money. Yeah, it's going to save them money in the long run, but companies are horrible about being short-term uh, and you know short-sighted, uh, especially with all the crap that's going on. And these companies, HMOs, their insurance companies, where do you think they make their money? They invest the money that come in off the premiums to make more money in the market. It's going to fall out in healthcare. It's going to fall out in so many places. Um, so I hope that comes out that you know to, to get these scans. 
Because I know, and I, I actually had cancer, and I saw the insurance company upset at paying for the scans from the initial screenings. Because is... initially, you know, I had like a lump, and they were like, we're going to go get that scan, and the insurance company's coming back basically saying, uh, we think that was an unwarranted scan, because they sent me for what? like, they sent me for a battery. They sent yeah. me for every x-ray, PET scan, MRI, with and without, you know, um, because the doctors thought at this point was, like, if it's, if it's cancer, I think it might have been in one, one place. Yeah. And, like, it's spreading. And the insurance the companies were like, you weren't, you shouldn't have made that call yet. Um, thank I, God to that I thought doctor that was that just, did. like, I mean, of course, I went through St. Jude, so, like, whatever insurance didn't cover, they covered which was, I mean, I don't think they covered any of my hospitalization up to that point, but that was, I mean, that was awesome, and that is, uh, you know, one of those charities that I would definitely support. I had a, um, I had a, had a relapse, and after my relapse, now I am five years yeah. from from the last uh, end of the last set of treatments. Yep. Which, which is what they they call that successful. Yeah. Like they, hey, we we fixed you because that's all they can measure on. It's like, hey, you didn't come back in five years. Um, we're going to call that a success. Well, it ends up, your, your chances end up Yeah, the chances down. statistically are good and all that. And the doctors that I'm with don't want to stop scanning. Yeah. Well, I've actually... Like, hey, dude, you have actually had cancer, so we don't want to stop scanning you. It's a good idea for the rest of your life to get annual scans, right? Yeah, I've actually got a list that they gave me after I finished the after-completion therapy, which were like, not only not only things to look for in the future, but like, here are possible side effects. You should. And I, I gotta confess that with everything that went on this year, I didn't have that done. But it's like, <laughs> I, I mean, it's serious because. Well, we could probably do a whole episode on this. Let's just stop the, this the here. The cancer podcast. The cancer oh, podcast. Oh, that's just. Um, oh, I don't know that people would want can to we listen get the pink to that. Ribbon? What? Can we get the pink ribbon? I don't think so. <laughs> None of us had the right kind of. We didn't have popular forms of cancer. I don't think. I mean, lymphoma, eh, maybe it's popular. I had, St. Jude I had, makes um, it popular. but lymphoepithelioma? I have no idea what the hell that is. N- most doctors did. Like, uh, yeah. that, like, spent the, like, most of the time after I was diagnosed was spinning out, like, what the hell is this? That, it, that sounds like a fear of children, children or It something. only appears in, like, 1% or, like, a third of a percent of male men in Asia over the age of 35. Um, but... There's no no men in Asia. Wait, was this when you were in Korea? Well, I mean, that, that oh, was so, kind of the link. Right? Okay. So I spent two years in Korea in the Air Force, yeah. and that is kind of the link. Um, and, and there is some research to say that cancer is actually starts from a virus. Like, it, that's yes. how it does move around. But they don't really know that for sure. But So that, anyway, it can make sense. Um, the thing is, is that it's highly, highly treatable, easily, easily curable. The only reason I yes, had a relapse... mine. The only reason that they had I had a relapse is they treated me so lightly to cause no ill long term effects. Because yeah. usually somebody has cancer, seventy years old, um, shit's breaking down in your body anyway. Let's go ahead and just go in with this treatment we know that yeah. works, and we get five more years out of it. That's probably the number of years you had anyway. So good yeah. to go. But me, it was like, well, wait a minute. Any long term effects now are over the arc of maybe sixty years. So they really yeah. magnify what long-term means. So they went in really, really gently. Um, it didn't work. I had to go back. I had to get the full blasting of everything they can do to you. See, I got uh, that right off. It was like, you're not going to be in school for a year. Awesome. So I got to walk away, uh, lost hearing in one ear, 
lost most of my saliva glands, which really amps up the flavor of these <laughs> energy drinks. Uh, but but it does. Hey, you know, small price to pay. In my yes. Opinion. Yes. Okay. On that uplifting note, uh, oh, we're out. And watch Pan's Labyrinth for more uplifting. Yeah, watch yeah. Pan's Labyrinth and watch the eyeball. When he gets shot underneath the eye, that is the best thing in the whole movie. And the eyeball rolls back in his skull. You should cut it there. <laughs> The fact that we stopped paying attention to the podcast 30 minutes in was worse than the noise of the cars going by. Yeah, you pretty much Where everybody's shouting over the balcony, and you just really can't tell what the hell is going on. Okay. Yeah. Oh, sad.